Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. And this is, uh, instead of me rambling about other stuff, I thought I would just kind of get to part two because part one of Seaboy Jowski was so good. In our last episode, Wojo talked about how unique his upbringing was on how his meteoric rise in recruiting was and how he ended up getting Duke and, you know, then early on at Duke. In, in this episode, and uh, we broke it up, this is a great conversation with a very interesting, bright uh, man who's incredibly well-traveled. It's really good. There's other stuff in there, too. I mean, he's just so good. So make sure to download, review, write a review, subscribe, rate, tell a friend about it, tweet about it, put it on Facebook, whatever you want. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. Reminder, the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, 12 to 3 Pacific, 3 to 6 Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio, foxsportsradio.com, the iHeartRadio app, Sirius XM 217 and 203. Uh, all right, let's, let's get to part two of my conversation with former captain of Duke, former assistant coach at Duke, former head coach at Marquette, Steve Wojcicki. So your senior year, now you're a Duke commit. How does that change your senior year in high school in terms of not just how your own team and coaches treat you, but I would guess you're on the road in Baltimore playing in a Catholic school league that guys were giving you the business look, you know, and now you have the, oh, you're going to Duke. You think you're better than everybody. Guys, what was that? What was that? Again, from a guy who was, on the rise, but more regionally known to now a nationally known guy going to be Duke's point guard. What was that experience like? Yeah, I don't remember thinking. I felt like because the school of Cardinal Gibbons in, in the Catholic League, we were kind of the school um, where it, we were the blue collar school trying to, to fight to make it. And as opposed to some other Catholic schools where it was, it was not necessarily in my view like that. Um, and I, and, and so I still, I think I still maintained a little bit of an underdog mentality and, you know, other opposing fans, players would come after me, but that's fine. Like bringing, you know, like we're playing basketball, like it's what you're supposed to do. So if, 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 because I'm going to do, uh, allows you to do what you're supposed to do. Let's, let's, let's go. Um, but you know, again, it was, it, it's still at that point, like when I committed to Duke and there wasn't message boards and modes of communication that there is now, there was like, can he play at Duke? Is he good enough? And there was, you know, you'd hear that 
debate. And I remember Gary, we played DeMatha early in the season. And obviously DeMatha is a traditional longtime power. Coach Wooten was still coaching at that point. And Gary Williams came to the game. They had a kid named Tim Hill, who was a really good player, ended up being a, a great player at Harvard. And, you know, like he said to one of the coaches, like, uh, yeah, I don't, he's not going to be able to play at Duke. I'm not sure he's a division one player. Um, and I heard that after the game, but, you know, I ended up having 25 in the first half and, you know, close to 40 in the game. Uh, and I wasn't a scorer, but, uh, but, you know, so there was still some of that, but I, I didn't, I, I kind of kept my nose down and just the process that got me to this point was not something um, I thought about abandoning just because I was going to Duke. But it did change the notoriety. Um, well, I've been and, now in 94, Duke lost on a last second shot to a national title, right? He's in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, I would guess, because I can tell you, like in 95, I was, I had always wanted to go to UCLA and I turned them down and went to Notre Dame. And damn, if UCLA doesn't up and win a national championship, yeah, right. like, oh, my. and Notre Dame was not yeah. good. You know? right. And, uh, and I remember going like, I, I can you can you believe like the school like uh, my dream school part two UCLA and Duke you know, um, and so what, what do you do you I, you had to die slow death watching Duke who you hadn't yet played a game for lose a national championship on a last second shot. Yeah, no, it was it was hard. It, I mean, they're literally a fingernail away from three out of four championships, but that team was incredible. And one of the things. You know, Grant was such a great player. And, and I think people in today's day and age um, forget how good a player he was. But one of the rule changes that year, and thankfully they put it back when I got to college, was they changed the five-second call. Yeah. So the ball could be in Grant's hands, and, and he could act like a, a point forward or point guard, which essentially he was. And he could have the, the ball for a long time and get – get where he needed to go against anyone or get the ball where it needed to go. Um, and that run was spectacular, but it was, it was, you know, I mean, again, it's like you're going to this place and they're just rolling people year after year. <laughs> they're, they're like, they're, they're, they are the gold standard without question of college basketball. And it's been like that really in my, throughout my formative years uh, in the game. So you show up there. What do you remember about show up? This is fall, right? They didn't have summer back then, right? So you're working at home. You're getting ready to go there. Um, what, what's first arriving on Duke's campus as a freshman is what? I remember the pickup games because at that time, like you said, you you started school. Well, I actually started school late because I was traveling with the USA basketball team. Trage and Ricky and I, my freshman class, Ricky Price, Trage and Langdon, the three of us made a U.S team that won the gold medal in Argentina. So we actually started school week late. Um, but in the, in the fall, the thing you did to train and get in shape uh, was not like individual workouts. It was, you play pickup and the pickup games were hellacious because you had all the former pros at that time who were trying to get back in shape for training camp, come back to Durham. And the same, at the same time, the same thing was happening in Chapel Hill. So you would play in these pickup games and there'd be your, your Duke teammates, but you'd have the best Christian Leighton or Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill, 
And then, you know, at times you'd have the guys from Carolina come over. So you'd, you'd have like pros on pros and you'd play either in Cameron or you play in car gym, which was an old school gym. And in the fall at Duke, probably 110 degrees. And it was, you'd play two courts. You have a winner's court and a loser's court. And the games in that gym were some of the best basketball games in history that no one knows about. Because you'd have Duke, Carolina, you'd have former players, you'd have current players, and they were hellacious. And I remember playing in these games. And, you know, I mean, there's times that you you think to yourself, like, am I built for this? (laughs) You know, am I built for this? Uh, Because you're playing against pros. I mean, I mean, there's more pros than there were not pros in that gym. And like legit pros, not like drafted and maybe he's going to be good. Like, no, they're going to get to the league and they're going to be good. Um, so it, that's what I remember the most. Your freshman year was the year where Coach K had to leave the team. So what, 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 what was it? What really happened? What was it really like on that team? Well, I mean, it was, it was, it was difficult. I mean, we started the year reasonably good. You know, we were one of the top 10 teams in the country. I think we were nine and three uh, before ACC season started and played a good schedule. Um, you know, we weren't dominant like some of the teams before us, but we were one of the better teams in the country. And, you know, coach was really hurting. Um, Did you know? Back, I knew as much as I was capable. And you, you knew, I knew enough. But again, he hadn't coached me. So there was no reference point of comparison, but you know, you'd, you'd hear from the other guys and you knew he had back surgery in the off season, um, you know, that he was struggling. I mean, he looked tired, you know, he wasn't moving great. And so you, I sensed it, even though I didn't have a reference point of when he was, you know, at his best. Um, but when I, rem- I can still remember, you know, we, we meet in the old Duke locker room, there's players lounge. It was tiny. And anytime there was a serious meeting, we wouldn't meet in the locker room. We'd meet in the players' lounge. You didn't really want to have meetings in the players' lounge. Uh, so when the meeting was called and we all went to the players, you know, you'd have, you know, 14 guys in there, this tiny room. It got hotter, hotter than hell. The coach walked in and he, he did not look good. Physically, you know, emotionally, he didn't look good. And, and at that point, he said, I'm, I have to step away. Like, I'm not... I'm not healthy right now and I have to step away. And um, it was a, it was a devastating moment. I think for everyone in the room, devastating for coach. It was devastating for the players, staff. And, uh, and there was definitely a vacuum that was left. Um, I I really do believe that everybody that uh, players, coaches, everybody did the best that they knew how we were just in a situation where we didn't necessarily know how. And the program was so dependent on coach, like everything ran through him. And he was a dominant, dominant figure. When our outlet got unplugged from his, there was a, there was a vacuum and, and none of, you know, again, in hindsight, there, uh, every one of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, would have done things differently. And, and hopefully better. But as you're going through it, it's hard to, it's hard to step back and recognize that, especially because the AC was freaking loaded. 
And Duke was, you know, like you beat Duke. It's like that now. But let me help you from the outside perspective. Okay. So that that's, this is like the 13, 18 team Duke. You won two ACC games, but remember you're coming off of playing for national championship. Right. right. And you have, you still have, even though a lot of the guys were young, uh, Trajan Langdon was a McDonald's All-American. Ricky Price, you got Cherokee, you got Chief is still there, Cherokee Parks, right? You have Jeff Capel, Chris Collins, right? You got name dudes and you're Duke, right? So it doesn't matter if Mike Krzyzewski's coaching Duke or Pete Gaudet's coaching Duke. You beat Duke, you storm the court, right? And now, even though everybody's beating Duke, like it gets to, it almost, it gets to the point where now if you don't beat Duke, there's something, something wrong with you. You're at Duke, right? This is all of a sudden, you know, like your life changes. You're at the royalty for college basketball. They're, but what's it like for you as somebody who I know how you're wired, right? The whole, the, the whole goal in any basketball game you've ever played is to win the basketball game, right? That's what, right, 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 right. like, I, I know how many points I have. I know how many assists I have. The truth is all I really care about is if I have more points. And now you guys are losing and Coach K is not there. What's going on in Steve Wojciechowski's mind and life? Because I'll tell you, like, I went to Notre Dame. I'd never been on a bad team before, ever. And we were – Big East was – that was this was the next year. The Big East had four teams in the top ten. And we're in, like, last place. And I, I was t- – it really, really affected me. Like, really affected me. What about you? What was it like for you? It was – incredibly difficult um you know you 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 have these uh visions of what you think your experience is going to be and at duke the expectation was you know it's national championship or bust (laughs) so at least if you're aiming for that star you're if you don't make it you're gonna you're, you're gonna land someplace that's generally pretty good um but it was you know i'm i was devastated i don't know you depressed, scared, uh, confused. I mean, all of those things, you know, like you, you question, like, am I good enough? Is this the right place Did I make, you know, you go through all those questions that I think college basketball freshmen a lot of times have, because it's yes. always harder than it's always harder than a high school player thinks it is all like, in my view, a hundred out of a hundred times, even if that person is really good as a freshman. But then you throw on top, like uh, you're, you're playing at the standard of college basketball and, and sure. you're losing. You know, it wasn't like we were getting blown out. We lost a lot of a lot of close, like literally last second buzzer beating losses. You lost twice was, to Maryland by two, by the way, which I'm sure yeah. that would right? Like yeah. you're, you're yeah. playing at Duke and you lose to Maryland by two, twice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that guy named Joe Smith, it was pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Um, but no, I mean, we, it was, it was, it was devastating, you know, and, and it's funny you'd mention it. Like, so we played Carolina on senior night and it, Jeff Capel hits the shot. And, you know, most people still think, and it's crazy, like that shot won the game, that shot put us to overtime. But if you watch the bench, like we cheered, like we won the game on the shot. So we go to overtime and, you know, my playing time was inconsistent. Play a lot, some games, play not at all others. Uh, it was inconsistent and it probably, Deserved to be. You, Wait, know? you got a D- yeah. you got DNPs? 
well, I didn't get DMPs, but there was, I was in the single digits multiple, multiple times. Um, but for whatever reason, I, the ball was in my hands in the last possession of, of the game versus Carolina where Capo hits the shot to put us to overtime. And we're supposed to run a play. The play gets busted. So I have to go try to make a play one-on-one against Jeff McGinnis, who was, who was a hell of a college player and played in the league and a very good defender. And I missed basically a foul line jump shot. And uh, it was, it was, it was all, I remember going back to my dorm and calling home and saying like, I, I can't do this. I, I want out. I, I want to transfer. I just want to, I want to go home. I want to come home and I want to be normal. Like, I just want to go to school. And, you know, my mom, like my mom, my dad never picks up the, the home phone. So my mom answered and she's hearing this and she's like, you need to talk to your father. Um, so I have to repeat it again. Like, I can't do that. Like I want out. And he's like, you want out? That's fine. If you want to quit, you can come home and you can work with me on the docks. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm like. I want to go. He's like, no, if you're going to quit this, then you're coming with me. And you're going to work on the docks and you can kiss everything you work for. Goodbye. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not transferring. <laughs> um, I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm going to make it work. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm crying because if he would have said, okay, and allowed gave, given me an out, I would have missed out on a lot. Your whole life. Yeah. Your whole life. Right. Those, those butterfly, the butterfly effect things, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that memory is kind of etched in stone because a lot nowadays when kids make that call, it's like, you're right. Like your coach is an idiot and yeah. you've been wronged <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. We'll find somewhere else that's going to serve you instead of like, look, man, you're being an idiot. Like, you're, you're going to see this through. You're going to do your best. Whatever happens with your best, like we'll be fine with, but you ain't quitting. It's, ain't quitting. it's, 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 it's amazing. You bring that up because it, when this will, uh, this will land with people as if we're some sort of Neanderthal character. Right. But if I painted the real picture of what, okay, you went to play for coach K, he's not there, but also you still had Jeff in front of you for a year. And Chris in front of you, well, Jeff was two years, right? He was a junior. Yeah, Jeff's, Jeff was a sophomore. Chris was a junior. Right. So, so, and. And two like, McDonald's All-Americans in the backcourt and Trajan and Ricky. Right. So, so there, there, yeah, right. You ended up winning the starting spot, but like, you're going to have to overcome. Those guys aren't going, they're not graduating and they're not transferring. Right. So it's not like there's a path. Don't worry. Next year you come back at your team and everything's better. Like if everybody comes back, you still have the same fight as well as the pressure of you guys weren't very good, not knowing with coach K. So you're, you were actually the most people would say, dude, get out of there, you know, get somewhere where it's your team, et cetera. And, and you didn't. So now you come home, you come home for the summer, you stay there in the summer. So, um, I was there for usually you would come back for second session. So again, we, we make it through the year. It was hard. 
but there's there's hope on the other side, right? Like coaches getting healthier. In fact, before the ACC tournament, he came back and ran one practice, and uh, it was <laughs> it was a hard practice. Um, so what what is what's a hard what 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 is different about a coach K being at practice versus not being at practice? Like what what was that one workout like? What is that actually like? Yeah, I think it just tests you physically, mentally, and emotionally. You know, and and again, it wasn't. You see some stories now about the practices where it's like all physical, you know, got loose balls. And we may have done that, but it was there was an expectation and standard that you were trying to reach. And the reality is, I think a lot of us were in survival mode, not not a mode of thriving. We were trying to survive the season because we were going through something that none of us had experienced. And it, it's not a criticism of anyone. Like what we were being asked to do was, was hard on everyone. And so we were trying to survive. And when you're trying to survive, you also, you oftentimes get internal. Like you're not thinking about the group. You're thinking about like, how do I tread water long enough to get to shore? Um, and so when he came back, it was, there was a standard of like, get out of your own stuff, throw yourself into what we're doing and do it at this level, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I, and that, that one was exhausting because that's, that's not the space I think we were in. And so you're being asked to go to this space. That's wildly uncomfortable. Um, and you played, then you, so you guys played in the Les Robinson Invitational. Now for people yeah. who don't know, for people who don't remember about the old ACC, I believe, and you tell me if I'm wrong, there were nine teams, right? At, at that time. And the eight, nine game, it was the only one played on the first day. And it was locally called like the Les Robinson. Les Robinson was coach at NC State. And NC State seemed to always be in that game. Duke was never, it was the only time Duke was in that game, right? And that was a cannot lose this game. Because if you lose, and I've lost the, the when I was in the, the next year, I was in the Big East. We lost to Syracuse, who went to play for a national championship. We lost them the first day. You lose the first day in a conference tournament, especially the last Robinson game, it's almost like you weren't in it, right? It's almost like right, you weren't right. part of the team, right? right. I, I would guess like the desire to win that game was big. Do you, do you remember that first ACC tournament? Yeah, yeah. So we we ended up playing Wake Forest, who had Randolph Childress and a young Tim Duncan. And that was the tournament Randolph had like 40 points. Like that, was the fi- that was the finger one, right? Yeah, Where- yeah, yeah. He crossed up Jeff and – and he went down and hit a three. I mean, he was incredible. And the thing that was unique about Randolph was he was their point guard, although he, I don't know if he was necessarily a true point guard. He was a great guard. Yeah. So he, he was good with the ball in his hands. But when he gave it up, he became a scorer. So all of a sudden, like, you, you know, you and I were used to pressuring the ball, not necessarily chasing somebody off the screens. A lot of most point guards don't necessarily do that. And he was a monster to guard. He was, and so we were up at halftime. We were up, I want to say double figures at halftime. It's like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> this, we're going to do it. And we weren't a, we, we had a bad record, but we were, we, we were not a bad team. Uh, so like, we're, we're going to come in halftime. Like, we're going to beat Wake Forest. And then Randolph just absolutely dominated, you know, took off and then never looked back uh, in that tournament. So we lost and that was, that was the end of of that season and 
and really kind of the beginning of a rebirth of of the program. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. How'd you guys turn around? Um, well, you know, it wasn't, didn't happen necessarily quickly for the, you know, the standards of Duke, right? It wasn't like next year we were national champion uh, contenders. We were probably, and I say this, and, and guys I played with would probably agree, probably the least talented Duke team uh, <laughs> in a long, long time. I mean, we were playing Stan Brunson, who was a soccer player at meaningful minutes uh it's chris collins jeff cape and i ricky you know trajan was out because he had a knee injury and he redshirted that year uh greg newton uh tony moore stan brunson i mean not necessarily not not household names by any stretch not your grant hill uh, bobby <laughs> nobody, Early, nobody goes like hey, you remember remember brunson? remember that team yeah <laughs> and so you but know, you got it. I remember. I'm. I'm. I'm looking. You guys got it going late in the year. 
Like you got it. We you got you got to roll one five in a row, kind of late in the year. You beat UCLA late in the year. They weren't great, but you were. But you beat you swept Maryland. Like you kind of got it going. We did, and uh, Chris Collins had an incredible senior year. And we were, I think, we were zero and four in the ACC. And it's like here we go again. Now, now, granted, like look, if this this goes sideways, we may not be having the conversations that we're having this week leading up to, to coach K's, uh, you know, final game in Cameron. Now he would have figured it out that he's just that good, but it may look different than it looks now. Uh, we were 0 four playing the NC state and, you know, it was the last second game and, uh, we were going <laughs> to, it was, the ball was in Chris's hands and we were going to run exchange, which is basically a wing dribble handoff uh, and open the floor for Ricky. And Chris skips handoff and we're down two, and pulls like a 26 foot three that hit the rim like four times. I mean, you know, there's certain times in your life where like time stops or goes in slow motion. When he shot that, probably lasted a second and a half. It felt like it lasted for 10 minutes because the ball was on the rim forever. So it bounces, 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 rolls, goes in. And there's like six seconds left. So we're up one, but our team starts celebrating like we won the game. Like literally won the game. Like we're going ape shit nuts. And... Todd Fuller inbounds it to Curtis Marshall. And he dribbles the length. Of, there's six seconds left. Dribbles the length of the floor. Has pretty much a, a bare-ass open layup. And it toilet bowls and rolls out. And we win the game. We win the game. And, you know, we ended up – that started the streak. I think we won, like, four in a row. So we got back to 500, which is great. And then we lost a bunch in a row. And then we finished where we had to really finish – uh, finished the year winning all our games in order to make the tournament. And we did, we did. And uh, ended up making the NCAA tournament as a team that was, you know, Chris had broken his foot. I got a high, I started the game in the, in the AC tournament because Chris couldn't play because he had a broken foot and played really well for about five minutes and then landed on Avina Kesey's foot and had a high ankle sprain, which put me on crutches for like six weeks. I mean, we were, our team was, uh, was hanging on by its thread, but that team really, I, I believe, and, and, and I may be wrong in this and people may have different opinions. Like that team is, even though we weren't talented, we were tough and we were incredibly together and we knew what was on the line. Like we knew that, the name on the front of the jersey was on the line. And even though we were playing against teams that were a lot more talented, because again, at that point, the ACC was freaking loaded. Yes. I mean, loaded. I mean, Bobby Sura, Edwards, Carolina's guys, Maryland, Virginia, Corey Alexander, loaded. And we made the NCAA tournament, which for that team was probably, especially given the injuries we had at the end of the year, was probably its ceiling. And they ran into Earl Boinkins and Eastern Michigan, and they beat us. But if you early in the ACC season, if you would have said you can get to make the NCAA tournament, I think we all would have been like, sign me up. What was, Co what was Coach K like during that year after having missed so much time the previous year? 
I mean, I think I think he was he was great. I mean, he was intense. He was focused. He he coached us hard. He demanded a lot from us. Uh, but I think he also knew like he had a group that was going to fight for Duke, which, you know, at the end of it, that's what coach wants. He wants you to fight together for the name on the front of the jersey. And that group did it. And did we have all the weapons or the talent that some of the teams before us had? We did not. We did not. But that part of the mission, we executed. And I, and I think he was, I hope he's proud of that team, even though he wouldn't trade that roster for any of the rosters that he's had recently. That's for sure. When was there ever, when you're playing with Kenny Blakeney and you're playing with Chris and yourself, did you see coaching as like a, a path? Like, was that ever discussed? Did you guys ever sit around and, and talk? I mean, the fact that there's so many head coaches on that staff, I mean, on that roster, was that ever a part of your thinking or your interaction with each other? Yeah, I don't remember having specific conversations to that end. I mean, obviously, Chris, uh, you know, came from a coaching family and, and Kenny played for a great high school coach. And, and I was fortunate, I mean, really, from the time I was a little guy to, through high school to play for great coaches. I mean, outside of my family, the people that have had the biz- biggest impact on my life are my coaches. So, you know, again, for me, I thought I would love to be a high school coach and try to have the impact that, you know, my high school coach had on me. I mean, that was kind of my thought process during that time. I don't remember specific conversations like, you know, 30 years from now, like we're all going to be coaching in college. Um, You know, I I don't think young brains work that way. Right. Like, no, no, but, but like, I'll just tell you, like, so when we were playing, like me and Joe Atkins, when I was at Oklahoma state, we, we were, we were both like, we knew, it was going to be Sean's job. So we were, we would both like kind of angle for the, like, Hey, if I come back, I want to be offensive coordinator. You can coach defense. I want to coach defense. Right, like right, right. you do the defensive stuff. Um, but I, I just, I, I do wonder your, I will, you, you you get to your, so the next year you guys turn it, you guys yeah. win the ACC, right? Yeah. And then, uh, but you did it, you took a transfer and now was Rashawn sitting out your sophomore year? He was, yes. Which is, I think he was the first transfer, wasn't he? He was, yes. He was the first transfer. They had recruited him. Again, I was playing, so I wasn't involved in any of this in high school. Uh, played, obviously, for Bobby's dad at St. Anthony's. So they were recruiting him. Um, and, and I mean, in all honesty, we needed we needed more talent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so sometimes when you need more talent, and it's not available to you in the normal way you do things, recruiting high school players, then you, you need to look at other, other things. And uh, yeah, Rashawn was sitting out, but after my sophomore year, I remember having a meeting with coach in the lounge and oh, the basically coach at the oh, lounge. Yeah. Oh, the lounge. Um, and basically the gist of the meeting was like, what you've done is not good enough. And if you continue to do it, like you should probably do it somewhere else. And, you know, like that was a really hard meeting for me. And who's in the meeting? uh, You know, it was him and I. Nobody else. Nobody else. Okay. 
And, um, you know, it was a hard meeting, but it was the needing meeting I needed, you know, like there's, there, I think it, it, anytime you change levels in anything, what allowed you to be good at one level doesn't necessarily guarantee success at the next. And, you know, you get to college and, and it, my two years to that point hadn't gone necessarily to plan. Um, and I was responsible for that. Like there were things that I needed to do to give myself the best chance of helping the team and maxing out who I was like what? And one of the, the first thing was getting in better shape. Um, you know, like in order for me to compete against the athletes that we competed against, uh, the, the advantage I had to have was endurance and conditioning because, you know, I mean, I could wear jump shoes, uh, you know, 12 hours a day. Like I wasn't, it wasn't like at some point I was going to be playing above the rim or, but I could, I could wear people down, uh, with my conditioning and my effort. Cause I, I, I was, I, I was good at that. It was good. Like the effort piece I was good at, but I didn't have the condition to sustain it uh, to where it was an advantage, you know? And so I lo- I ended up losing probably, you know, I played my, Sophomore year, probably at about 190 pounds. And I played, I started my junior year at about 170. Wow. And wow. I, I was, I was in, uh, I was landline. In, I love it. Landline. landline. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was in, I got in incredible shape, uh, improved my, my ball handling, not necessarily like my ability to do ball handling drills, but my understanding of pace. I think when you're not a you're not a great athlete, you have to have incredible love it. Your answer machine too. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I told, my, I told my dad I was on a radio show because if I told him I was on a podcast, he'd be like, "What the hell is that?" Uh, uh, so, so, so he walked in earlier. He looked and he's probably thinking, "What the fuck is going on?" Like he's, he's he's there's a guy. You can see his face. Like what kind of radio is that? Um, uh, Amazing. Uh, so, um, so, 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 condition, so, so conditioning you had to do ball handling, ball what handling, else? but but uh, like the ability to control pace, right? Like. If it was a matter of going fast, people could go fast. But if I could learn how to change speeds and create space, like that was going to be my advantage of being able to position the ball where it needs to be positioned. Uh, and then hit it and, and then being able to knock down open shots. And then and then probably the biggest thing is using my voice, like leading. Coach, I think that's one of the things coach really liked about me in Ypsilanti was that even though the guys didn't speak my language, like I found a way to lead them. Yeah. And, and so there was, there was all those things. And uh, after the meeting, like I had two choices. I could say like, this is, this is BS. Um, but I didn't, I remember one being hurt, like to have somebody that you respect to the ultimate level. Uh, like I did coach, like I was hurt that he could feel that way about me. And then the second thing I felt was I was pissed and I wasn't pissed at him. I was, I was pissed at me because he was right and committed to, uh, that summer. Like, you know what, like, again, like it goes back, like 
just lay it on the line and see where that takes you. I don't know where it's going to take you. You may end up being a backup. I mean, these cards in front of you are really good, but you like, you won't know unless you try. And so I committed to that and had a great summer and summer went into fall. And in the fall, I think I was probably the expectation was that I would be a really good backup point guard, solid, didn't turn it over, probably make an open shot, could, could run a team. But, you know, not somebody necessarily that could be a starting guard on a team that had aspirations of being a national contender. How'd you win the job? Um, I attacked attacked the ball like crazy. And you're talking about some of my best friends, you know, Jeff Capel and, you know, Trajan and and those guys. Like, and again, they were at that time, it was like Trajan is going to be the point. And that's, I mean, Trajan was one of the, best shooters in the history of college basketball being a point guard is not necessarily even though he could really handle it what he you know what he did and i would pick him up i mean even in pickup games i'd pick him up 94 feet um and you know we keep track of who won and lost in pickup games and my goal was you know every time that was posted for my team to be my name because my teams won to be at the top of the list. And I did that. And, um, you know, still going in that season, I don't, I don't think even in, as we entered exhibition games, I don't think I necessarily started, but like I, I gave Paul, like I, I created a discussion of like, I mean, this, like if you ask his teammates and coach always used to do this, he'd ask like, if, if you, if you had to pick a starting five for a pickup game, like who, who would you pick? Because he wanted to see like who the guys thought, and I remember going into my meeting that fall. It's like you should know that every one of your teammates picked you, uh, which was which was essentially the goal, right? And uh, so I created discussion, and then ended up starting the first game my junior year. Which I think, if you rewound, you know, four months earlier, people would have said no way, and I, I played really well. And never look back. You remember who it's against? So I ended up, the first game? Yeah. I don't. St. Joe's. No. St. Joe's. You were Sheed Bay. He was a good player. Um, but I, I ended up scoring. I had a at a early in the season, I ended up having a ton of steals. I had like a you know, I had seven, eight steal game, like and became the leader. And my teammates, I think, ended up trusting me. The guys I thought I was competing against, the Jeff Capels and the Trajans, were guys I ended up playing with. You know, sometimes you think like, well, it's, it's you versus him. him. Yeah. But it's if you're both really good, then you both play. Because coach is in like a tradition, like he'll play, he'll put up lineup. And he always has put out lineups like, I'm going to play my five best players. Um, your junior year was your first year you beat Carolina. Can be Carolina. Yeah. Um, was it as significant then as it would seem? Uh, again, total outsider here to the Duke family, but having there's there's a lot of things you had to achieve. You got to get back to the NCAA tournament in year two. Great, you're in your starting spot, but hey, you still haven't beat Carolina. Was it significant to beat Carolina the first, the first time you did it? Yeah, I think those games are always significant, and and the fact that they were. They were terrific. <laughs> I mean, they that, were. That's, that, but that's like, so, so at Oklahoma State, right, there's, 
you only when I was there, we only played Kansas once a year, or unless you played in the Big Twelve tournament. Like they were the right. they were the standard. And then your your season was judged. You make the NCAA tournament. How did you do against KU? How did you do against OU? Right? Like even so, I'm I'm just wondering if if that is of of the junior year, if that's the most vivid memory outside of the first starting the first game. Yeah, I I think that was that was that was significant. Right. Because there there I think there's always markers when you're you're trying to build something or in this case, trying to kind of build it back. There's markers that you um, that you you meet or things that you achieve where it's like, OK, I mean, we may not be where we want to be, but we're like we're getting closer. And this is a vivid example of why we can say that. And beating Carolina was one of those things, you know, and at that time, I mean, Wake Forest and Tim Duncan was one of those things as well. I mean, I can remember we we had lost or we had lost uh, a bunch of games in a row to Wake Forest in my junior year. Played them twice because it was round robin. Played them at home in the first game, and then we we're going to go back and and play them again. Um, and at the end of the game, there was a stop action. There was a stoppage. And the officials went to, you know, at that time, I don't even think there were TV monitors in the sideline, but something happened, clock malfunction. And Tim got fouled and he was shooting, he was supposed to shoot free throws and he sat down on the court, uh, Indian, he sat down at the foul line, Indian style. And it was, it was in our minds, it was like the ultimate sign of disrespect. And you know, I remember there being quite a bit of emotion around that time. We ended up losing the game. So followed up. And again, the, the path to the ACC championship at that time went through like Carolina and, and Wake Forest because they had Tim Duncan. I mean, he was, he was different. So we went down to Wake Forest to play the second game with the round robin. And I remember in the locker room, there was no freaking way we were losing the game. I mean, I don't, I'd give a shit if they had Michael Jordan and Tim Duncan. Like there was like there was no and 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 everybody was on board and it wasn't like a coach in front saying like we're we're not like it was like everybody's like we're, no we're good like we're not losing like I I think like that there, that's not like that option is off the table it's off the table and we ended up winning the game and Chris Carwell who's my assistant and now is at Duke. Again, you talk about lineups. They had Lauren Woods and Tim Duncan, like Twin Towers, right? Sewell's guarding Duncan at the five with one good shoulder, and we end up winning the game. And then fast forward, we beat Carolina and ended up winning the ACC championship. And, you know, I think we were viewed as contenders, but I don't think people would have said beginning of the year based upon the talent the other teams had and the players that we would have won the championship. But that was a significant – that was another marker of – like. Everybody was hoping they'd go away. They're not going away. So that was, a, that was an important time. Woo. Part two is as good as part one. Okay. So part three is coming up next. Just so you know, we got more, including Dream Team, mm, Redeem Team, and coaching USA basketball and the things that he remembers about it. Plus, what was it like to be fired? You know, what was... What's that like? And how long are you angry for? Are you still angry? All that stuff to come. Oh, yeah. And I got to ask him 
If he didn't take the Marquette job, would he be the Duke head coach? Is there any internal struggle that had he kept coaching at Marquette and not lost, had he, would he have been the Duke coach now? Uh, all that's coming up. Reminder of the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, Sirius XM 217 and 203. Uh, subscribe, rate, write a review, download this thing, tell friends about it. Um, I, I mean, Mojo is amazing. I hope you enjoyed it. Part three is coming up soon. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.